0: sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Spacey on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: No matter how good a deal I make with China, if they sell me Beijing for $1, the Democrats will say, what a lousy deal. That's a terrible deal. I'm going to be signing a national emergency. And it's been signed many times before. I ran on a very simple slogan, make America great again. If you're gonna have drugs pouring across the border, if you're gonna have human traffickers pouring across the border in areas where we have no protection, in areas where we don't have a barrier, then very hard to make America great again. And now,
0: Stacey Washington.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, It happened. We talked about it. We discussed it. We've turned it over in our minds. Yesterday, I had a little bit of a rage tweet fest about it because I don't think the president should have signed that bill. I think he should have said, give me a clean CR. I'll give you the weekend to put together a clean CR and I'll sign that because this bill reduces the number of detention beds and all kinds of other nonsense. And then the president... That he's going to declare the national emergency, and whatever he said to Mitch McConnell, brought old Mitch McConnell around. And you guys know I have the love-hate relationship with Leader McConnell. I sometimes he's just fantastic, and other times I'm like, "Who are you? And where did you come from?" And so this is no different. And I'm just, I'm one of those people where I'm, i I can be a pragmatist. I can say, "Let's negotiate. Let's make a deal. Let's compromise." We're not always going to get everything that we want. But in this case, uh, I I totally think the National uh, Emergency Declaration is the way to go in the face of what Congress is doing. I don't think that signing that bill was mandatory for the president. It just was not mandatory. And I wish that he wouldn't have done that. Uh, So we're going to talk about that and more on the program today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. I want to start off with a huge thank you. Um, We are so blessed to have the listening audience at American Family Radio. What you've been able to do with our partnership with India Partners and the Days of Safety has just been outstanding. Over 22,000 Days of Safety provided for these kids. And we are, I'm always humbled whenever we have anything going on here and we reach out to the audience and we say, hey, can you support us? Can Can you come alongside us to do this work? And we're talking about ministry work here. Obviously my show is about politics and culture and, and, you know, it's from the Christian worldview, but the things that we partner up with our sponsors and and our ministry partners here at American Family Radio, it's the kind of work that, you know, if, if we could, wouldn't we all want to go out into the ministry field and and do that, but we are, we're placed where we are and our ministry field is where we are. It's where we live and we're able to do amazing things as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ right here. But then there's the opportunity to partner up with organizations that are, you know, halfway around the world or almost all the way around the world from us or partner up with organizations that are doing things here in this country. And so when we have that chance and we say as hosts here on AFR, we reach out and we say, hey, you know, um, can you help us? Can you know, can you come alongside us? And I, I made the analogy a lot about the seven dollars and eight cents is that pumpkin loaf and, and a cup of coffee or your fancy cup of coffee. Um, yesterday, we were able to make even more analogies about the, you know, the, the couple thousand dollars buys a whole year, $224 buys a month. And you guys came to the you, you, you came to the call, you answered and you went far above what we were hoping for. And so for that, you get a huge thank you. Thank you for doing that. And it's not too late. You know how it is. Today's the last day. You can definitely still jump in on this. If you're just tuning into the show, maybe you've been on vacation, maybe you've been you know, un- unplugged for a bit and you're just tuning in, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making your home at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. You are welcome to continue to go to AFR.net and give online, the c- quick, click, easy process that we have there. Or you can speak to one of our volunteers by calling 877-616-2396. It's not too late for you to give. Uh, that will be those lines, and all of that will be open through the weekend, and so you'll still have a chance to partake if you haven't yet had a chance to to be a part of India Partners. And if you don't know what it is, it's India Partners provides a safe home for children who've been trafficked into sexual slavery, and children who are the 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 children of those who are trapped in that lifestyle. And these kids get to learn about the gospel, come to know the Lord, and also be safe and get an education, go to school for the first time in their lives for some of them, and be safe and have medication and a bed to sleep in and even toys to play with. So it's a beautiful ministry, and we're so glad that you have partnered with us and helped us to reach our goal this this time around. Um, So 877-616-2396 or go to AFR.net. And it's not too late to join in. Thank you to everyone who helped us reach our goal. So today on the show, um, I, I want to I have a little smidgen of audio about something that I stumbled onto this morning. And I know it's a problem for Americans. The Barna Group talks about how prevalent this is in our society. Before we get to that, of course, I, I can't neglect to tell you. You are in for such a treat next segment. We have Dan Celia, President of Financial Issues and Stewardship Ministries. He's going to come on and talk about the U.S. trade deficit and trade with China. He is a host on on AFR, but he's also syndicated across the country, 600 stations or some astronomically fantastic number like that. And I listen to him in the mornings. You know, I don't get to listen every day, but I I catch him a few times a week. And he is an outstanding example of what happens when you take – something you're passionate about, which he's into finance and wealth management and money and the economy. And he takes that and he ha- he's a strong Christian and he comes from that perspective of, you know, positive attitude, growth, all of that. And he understands what's happening in Washington, especially the portions that have to do with, um, you know, our, our trading partners, China, um, the trade deficit, et cetera. So he's going to come on and talk to us about that. So you got to hang on for that. And I ask you, please go and Follow him on Twitter. He's at Financial Issues. You can also tweet him um, and thank him for coming on the show today. And kind of I get to cross another cool person off my list of people I've, I got to interview here on the show. So right now I want to get into our daily confession. And this to me is a great way for us to go into the weekend. Uh, I've, I've, I know some people are discouraged about this bill. Um, as I unpacked yesterday what was in the act, as they're calling it, 1,200 pages, much of it nonsense, $333 billion being spent, it can feel really discouraging. But if you've read Revelation, you know how this ends. You know that the God we serve is undefeated, undefeated. And no matter what the circumstances are, we can be positive and we can look forward to God bringing all of these things to a resolution that justice will ultimately be served And that every victim will be vindicated and everyone who's done wrong will be brought to justice, the ultimate justice, if not here at the judgment seat. So I want to share with you Psalm 37, one through six, fret not thyself because of evil doers, neither be envious against the workers of iniquity for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb, trust in the Lord and do good so shall you dwell in the land, and verily you will be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. A mighty fortress is our God, and he is in control. That, that last line is not the verse, that's, that's me. Um, a mighty fortress is our God and he is in control. Even when the president signs a bill that's 1,200 pages of nonsense, God's in control. Even when we see evildoers flourishing, because El Chapo may be going to jail, but guess who's not going to jail? Guess who? There's plenty of kingpins, drug kingpins down there. They're celebrating. They're parsing out the spoils of El Chapo's business, what's left over, and they're just going to continue on to do the evil things that they've been doing. But God is in control. Again. Verse three says, trust in the Lord and do good. So we got to keep doing good. Like we've done this week with India partners, continue to do good, continue to look around you and see areas in which you can help, whether it's praying for someone, praying with someone, touching the, uh, the, the heart of someone who maybe is, is you see them, they're despondent, they're, they're, they're downtrodden, they're low, just coming alongside them, giving them a hug and telling them, you know, complimenting them, maybe telling them I'm praying for you and then, you know, actually doing it. Anything that you can do in your own environment where you're doing good, you trust God, you do good, and you will dwell in the land and be fed. God is not a man that he would lie. His word is true in the morning, the noonday, at night. It's true 24-7. It's true in all the dimensions we can see and all the ones we can't. God's word is true. What it is for us to do is to know what it says, believe it, and walk it out in obedience. And so we can do that. I encourage you, if you're feeling low down, especially about this whole thing. Um, if you go if you go on social media, you'll see a lot of people saying things. I mean, it's just, it's getting pretty demonic out there. But that's not your situation. That's not your reality. Because you're dwelling in the land. You're obeying, your obedience to God puts you in a place of blessing. And Psalm 31, one thirty seven Psalm 37, 1 through 6. That's where you can really just hone in, just, just laser focus in on that. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you read something through the first time and you don't, you don't really feel it. You know what I mean? Like you're, you don't respond. So read it again, read it through to yourself. And I don't mean read it in your head. I mean, read it out loud. You can pull it up on your laptop, your computer, your phone, your, uh, your desktop, your tablet. You can pull it up. You can even have your phone read it to you. That I mean, the technology is fantastic. You can read it to yourself Whatever you have to do to get it in you so you can head into this weekend and enjoy your time off, or if you're, if you're someone who works on the weekends, you can enjoy working this weekend. Whatever you have to do, you can enjoy it, and you don't have to fret. You don't have to fear. You don't have to feel anything negative about these circumstances, and I know what it looks like in the natural, but we also know that God is continually working things out for our good that's the God that we serve. And we can never let that go. We can never forget it. So Psalm 37, one through six, get that in you. Head into the weekend. And don't forget to get in the pew on Saturday or Sunday, whichever is your day, and get fed so that you're ready for next week. I can't wait. I, we have a lot of stuff on the docket for next week, and I'll be sharing about that. So now I want to turn to, it's a tough subject, but it is one in which the church is, and I, I say finally not as a criticism, but as just an acknowledgement of, where we are, the church is now really ramping up on this issue and providing resources and trying to help people break free from the bondage of pornography. And so this isn't a, an issue where now, you know, you're hiding it. The people who promote pornography and, and people who indulge in it and they don't see it as sinful, they're, they proudly flaunt the fact that they in, indulge in pornography. But for Christians, it's one of those, it's like a secret sin where people are suffering and they're struggling and they don't know where to turn to get any help. So this is really interesting. It's the Conquer series, and it builds itself as this DVD box set that you can purchase and watch the videos at home. And it walks you through the Christian methodology for breaking free from this demonic influence, and helps men quit pornography for good. Now, Barna Group shows us that pornography is not just a male problem, but this is geared towards men. Um, and you know, I've, I've shared with you about Hidden Heart which is a Bible study that's geared towards women to improve marriages. It doesn't have anything to do with men. It's it's for women. This is a resource that's geared towards men, but I don't want that to put anybody off. So let's listen uh, to the Conquer series trailer. It's number two.
1: I was an alcoholic. I was a sex addict. I was completely out of control. Like I had a rope around my leg, they have a noose around their soul. And the harder they pull against it, the worse it gets. That's why trying harder doesn't work. You have to know your enemy if you're going to win. It's not just going to go away. Just the power of sexual bondage. It promises you everything, gives you absolutely nothing. Feels as if there's no hope, you're never getting out of this. But the shed blood of Jesus Christ guarantees there's a way out. God guarantees you. His word is very clear. The curse will be visited the third or fourth generation.
3: We will create trails in our brain that are just going to fire on an automatic sequence. You're fighting for the very lineage that God gave you.
4: What a man does in life becomes history, but what he puts into motion becomes his
1: legacy. And if you will break this curse, then your sons and your daughters have a better shot. It took me three and a half years, but I'll tell you now, you know what I'm having the joy of? Is sweet revenge. The very thing the enemy used against me as a weapon, now God has forged by the hammer of his adversity that he's brought in my life, by the hammer of his challenges, by the correction of my soul, and he's formed it into a weapon, and I'm taking sweet revenge against the enemy. And that's what God has for you.
2: Sweet revenge against the enemy. The information that you need, you can find it on my Facebook page, or you can go to conquerseries.com to order the six-DVD set and study guide. It's conquerseries.com. That's helped over 500,000 men start their journey back to freedom. We'll be back with more after this.
4: Hello, I'm Tim Wilman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, on our spiritual heritage tour of Washington, D.C., we go to the Supreme Court. That's one of the places we go on, on day one. And we visit the inside chambers. We go to where the justices sit. And it's an amazing place to visit, the Supreme Court of the United States. We don't just look at the outside. We go to the inside and see where the justices sit and where oral arguments are heard. So that's just one of the places we visit on one of the days. We're in Washington, D.C., and we also go to Mount Vernon the home of George and Martha Washington. So we're going in September, June's full, September will be filling up soon. If you want more information on this Spiritual Heritage Tour, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com.
3: Hi, I'm Crawford Luritz with a Legacy Moment. Recently I had dinner with a couple who told me this tragic story. They have a daughter who obviously has grown up in this wonderful Christian home, went to a great church, went to college, had a wonderful Christian experience there, met a young man, got married. But somehow she's recently come under the influence of a persuasive Bible teacher, a false teacher. It's a cult. This young lady has been captured by the spell of this individual, so much so that she has severed relationships with her family and her marriage is on the brink of destruction. She's captivated by this powerful person who apparently misuses the scriptures with impure, godless motives. The nature of deception is that it's deceptive. It sounds like truth. It sounds wonderful. It's close to truth. It quotes the truth, but it shades it. It misapplies it. It extracts it from its context. Paul solemnly warned the leaders of the new church he had planted in Ephesus about this when he was about to depart and leave. He gathered them together. Listen to what he says in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Boy! what a warning. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Not everybody who holds a Bible in his hands has good, noble intentions. Before you follow someone and embrace what they have, study God's Word. Is what they're teaching really what the Bible says? More information about the ministry of Crawford Lawrence can be found online at
0: livingalegacy.org. You can download episodes of Stacey on the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
2: Oh, so uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks for making your home at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here, and I'm so glad to be with you. Happy Friday, I'm looking out my window at big, huge snowflakes, and I've been wishing and praying that someone would come take this real winter away and give me the mild winter we've had for the past four years. But clearly, I'm meant to go through this. And so I lift my head. I can handle it. I can do all things through Christ. And it looks like I'll be scraping some driveway and some sidewalk, you know, but there it is. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome our next guest on the program. It's Dan Celia. He's the president of Financial Issues and Stewardship Ministries. He's a nationally syndicated radio host with over 600 stations that hear his program. Uh, Nationwide, he's well-respected for his opinions and advice on investing and his knowledge of the American economy. Thank you, Dan, for joining us today.
5: Stacy, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you.
2: Okay, so I'm so excited to talk to you about this because I've heard a lot of what I've seen online and heard on other stations. It sounds to me like a lot of garbage about the economy. And Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the metrics that we normally judge an economy by. And I think the president has made some really good moves. Has he been perfect? No, but he's a human being like the rest of us. So that expectation is ridiculous. What can you tell us about the U.S. trade deficit? It's it's bigger than ever before. Um, and people are now starting to complain about it on the left and the right.
5: Well, you know the trade deficit, the different, uh, you know, the difference between our exports imports. It's always been bad. It's as, it's the same today as it's been for the last fifteen years. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't move much. We have to. We will always, as most nations, uh, not most nations, but as so many developed nations have deficits in their trade. I mean that's typically the way it is, and you almost need that for a healthy economy. It, I think it's far more important that uh, when we look at deficit, we consider how um, we, at least in America, are we being taken advantage of in the sense, are we gaining anything from the imports that we receive? Are we gaining anything from the exports that we send out to those uh, partner countries? And I think what happens what's happened recently is president Trump's come along and his economic team says, Hey, look, you know, we, we, uh, we don't really need to examine this. We've examined it for a lot of years. It isn't fair. Uh, it's a very lopsided situation and it needs to get fixed and it desperately needs to get fixed. Now, I don't know that they thought that, um, back then Steve Moore and, Larry Kudlow, uh, you know, uh, Larry Kudlow, obviously a big part of his team now, wasn't then, was was an advisor when we first talked about this. And, you know, I know those guys. I've talked to them. I've had them on my program. And, you know, I don't think they thought that this new president just coming into office was going to be willing to do what so many other presidents wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole, and that's to confront communist China and say, hey, look, we got a problem here. You know, you're, you're getting all the advantage. We are getting very little advantage. As a matter of fact, we're not getting any advantages on the other side of it. So, you know, I think that the trade deficit is going to look very, very different a year from now. I think that we will likely be, never be, we're never going to be, you know, net exporters. I mean, we're not an export nation. So we're always going to be bringing in more goods and services than we send out it's just the way our economy is is uh, you know built upon a, a service uh, consumer spending economy very different than most other big nations that we deal with. so I'm not that concerned about the deficit uh, in trade. I'm more concerned about uh, free trade that we can get back to free trade and um, you know really get the economy, Moving because we have so much industry that does depend upon uh, free trade.
2: So I I love the way you're able to break that down and, and weave all of it together. the 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 real perspective here is: Are we growing? And does the GDP yes. have growth? And I think in on both of those, the answer is a resounding yes. And you mentioned yes. trade with China, and so Dan, I I I often get a little miffed about the China thing because they've used their cheap labor market and their ability to, let's say, Steve Jobs or it's now uh, Tim Cook. Tim Cook needs, uh, let's say he needs 100,000 screws for the teeny tiny screws that, you know, you put laptops together with. So MacBook Pro production. And so in China, he can Say to a manufacturer, I need 100,000 screws, and I need them in 72 hours, and they can mobilize 100,000 people who work in the screw factory to work 24 hour shifts, you know, eight on, 12 on, whatever they decide. And they've got that kind of manpower and they can turn over items with lightning speed and efficiency. We don't have that kind of manpower here in the United States. We're not a, you know, factory economy. Uh, but then the flip side of that is with all of that instant gratification that you can get in China. You also have them stealing the intellectual property and flooding the Chinese and Asian markets with knockoffs. And that cuts into the profitability of a company like Apple or anyone else who does manufacturing there. The president seems to be the first one in my adult lifetime who understands that and wants to do something about it. Why are people Mm. fighting him on that?
5: Um, Because they don't want to they don't want to see him succeed in doing it. Um, you know, St- I don't have to tell you this, Stacey, you know, but, uh, you know, for the benefit of our listeners, you know, we, we've, got to, we've got to understand that everything this president does is always going to be framed with this unbelievable hatred for the man. You know, mainstream media, the left, it, it's not that they disagree with their policy. They despise this man with every fiber of their being. So it is a whole different world for when we look at how mainstream media is evaluating some of these things that you were just talking about. It's evaluated with this overwhelming um, um, ideology of hatred towards this president. So we don't, we, we're never at main, the, the main street that is listening to mainstream is never going to get a real picture. Unless they're listening to Stacey on the right or financial issues, they're never really <laughs> going to get a true picture of what is going on in America. And it's really sad. And, and so it's really difficult. To have a debate about any of these issues when the the foundation of the debate coming from mainstream media or from the left is is built upon hatred, not upon facts, not upon reality, not upon necessity that we might need in our economy or other things, not about any of that stuff. It's built first upon hatred, and then everything else stems out from that. And it's it's a huge, huge issue for anybody to try to understand what the reality of things are. So, you, you know, we're, we're always, but yet we, there, as much as they may dislike this man, we have never had a president, never had a president in my lifetime. I, I, I'll, I'll say may, Ronald Reagan. But since
2: Ronald, right, right, I don't think
5: we've ever had a president that loves America like this man. I mean, it's
2: true. You can hear it in his voice when he's talking about the issues. Like, yeah, today at the Rose Garden when he was addressing the nation about the emergency, it was the same thing. And and you know what, Dan, you you so you're talking about the hatred for him. He said something today in that in that address when he was talking about you know the national emergency. It's official. We're doing that. We're going to get the wall built. But he said if he was able to. Do I don't remember exactly the the thing he said he would get, but he said if he made a deal with China for $1 to get something amazing from them, Democrats and his opponents would still say, well, you know, he didn't get enough or that's not really a success. In other words, he can't ever win on anything. No, And I think that's something that's important for us to kind of like we have to process that so we can think properly about what we're seeing him do. I see people on the right screaming with anger about him declaring a national emergency. But they're not taking into consideration the options that are currently left open to him after seeing really the entire United States work against him during the last shutdown, working together to shut down the airports, shut down business, make federal employees, who are some of the richest people in America, look like poverty stricken, you know, ne'er-do-wells. They, they work together to bring the country to a screeching halt so the shutdown is no longer an option for him and the national emergency is really what's left on the table for him to use.
5: Well, you're you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, it's so frustrating, you know, to me as well, as we see everybody, even those on the right, screaming about this. You know, I wonder why they weren't screaming when President Obama admitted that uh, one of his executive orders was, uh, you know, flawed constitutionally. It wasn't constitutionally legal. But he did it anyway. Nobody said a word. I don't even the people on the right. You know, we've got a whole body of people on the right that have never played offense in their life that everything is just sit back and play defense. And now they're, they, they would have the nerve to scream, look, it's not a perfect deal. It's not a good deal. All I, you know, my, my thing was, when everybody on the right was screaming about this deal, and it is a, it is a bad deal, no doubt about it,
6: but uh-huh.
5: nobody is, after all that he's done, all that he has talked about and has followed through with, they have no faith in him. I, uh-huh. I, I just got to believe that this wall is going to get built. The way he wants to get it built, wall barrier, whatever you want to call it, it's going to happen, and he knows in his heart of heart it's going to happen. And ultimately, that's as far as I knew. I thought that was the end game. I thought that's what we were trying to achieve. But mm-hmm. nobody is trusting him because he is not doing it uh, through the parliamentary procedures or the the way that it has politically been done so many other times, and and they don't – but he hasn't done anything that way. So why would they expect that this time it's going to be the time – he's going to get it done. He's going to get it done. And, you know, I said on Monday, I said, he's got to sign the bill. Let's keep the government open. Mm -hmm. And then in the next breath, say, we're declaring a state of emergency. Uh, We're going to appropriate money from uh, – you know, these areas, I'm going uh-huh. to build this wall. And he, that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. And, look, he knew all along that he was going to have to do that to keep the government open. I think the only miscalculation that he made is he didn't realize that this bill was going to have as many poison pills in it uh-huh. that it really does. Yeah. And Um, but I, but, and that's going to be, that's going to be a hurdle. And I think it's going to be a legal issue to see if when he, um, starts moving money around that is legal for him to do, then does that, does that supersede that money kind of separated from the deal or is it part of the deal? I don't know the answer to that, but that could be still a problem and, and, um, you know an issue that he's going to have to face, but I think
2: in well, the long run he's going to get it done. Well, so I w- I w- I agree with you, and I I I think Dan one of the things that we have to do because I've been I've been reading all of the stuff about the bill that's been horrible, and it it is really bad. Like it's the worst it, bill. Um, but but yeah, there's a, a silver lining to it, which I don't think we. You know how it is when you get some bad news, you just start. You know your brain just starts racing, and you can't really. You can't really do analysis when you're in just in the moment of getting something like you. You're we, we realize right. how bad this bill is, but Dan is isn't it just the truth that if he's able to do the wall and fencing, the kind that he wants to do, which is the concrete and steel slat, that the one point three that they've allocated that can only go in a certain area, that means everywhere else he'll use the money that he's moving around, and it, I, I just when you say he's going to get it done some of the things that we're worried about, like the bed space and, and different things about deporting people who get here and they bring an unaccompanied minor in and all that, there'll be moot issues if the wall is there and the people can't get in. So there is, there is a little bit of a method to the madness, isn't there?
5: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. is. And, and I find it hard to believe <clears throat> that so many on the right can't see that. They can't understand by now the way this president operates. And um, there is very much a method to it, and that's why I'm, I'm I'm very confident that ultimately, as you said, what matters is the wall gets built and all of those other issues become irrelevant. If we have more boots on the ground, if we are able to enforce better, if we direct, now we're directing because of a barrier to, to the uh you know, ports of entry, mm-hmm. and we are now have people to properly uh, handle all of that and judges and so on and so forth. I think you're right. I think you're right. It all becomes, uh, you know, a moot point. And ultimately, uh, the American people win.
2: Well, I think something else, Dan, that we're because we I just don't think we can really fathom how much we don't know, so how much the president doesn't share with us when he's in the Rose Garden sharing, how much of what we don't know has impacted the decision that he made, and the forces that are moving behind the scenes, and that includes forces on the right that don't really want to see a wall built, and so he's dealing with it in the way that is the best plan that he can set out. But what we can do is we can kind of trust, because obviously as Christians, we know that God turns the head of the leader to the left or the right or whichever way he wants it to go. If we believe that, then we know he's he's going to make mistakes obviously, but he's also going to be really it, it's what God has for us that we have to be praying. Lord, please give us more justice on our southern border. Give us peace in our land. Give give us revival. Give us the things that we need to bring our nation back to you so that we can have less of not just the fighting and the political stuff, but the 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 breach at the southern border is a symptom of a nation that is turning away from God, and I really feel like we got to keep praying. We got to keep being wise. Uh, you guys got to keep listening to Dan Celia. I hear the music. I hate that. Dan, thank you for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you.
5: Stacy, thanks for having me. I hope we do it again soon. Yes, thank let's so talk much. again
2: soon. <laughs> Have a great day. Have okay. a great
5: weekend. Right. you too. Great weekend. God bless. Uh,
2: great to talk to you. God bless. I. I was such a great interview, you guys. I like Dan. He's a great guy. Um, Okay, we're going to be back with more. We'll talk to you, 866-963-2037. You're the interview of the third segment, so call in. We'll be right back. What does it take to be a sports success and a team player? Here's Pro Football Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment.
6: Former coach John Gruden called him the greatest of all time. Wide receiver Jerry Rice was perhaps the most dominant player ever to play the game. In an epic 19-season career, Rice accumulated almost 23,000 receiving yards, the most in history. What made Rice such a special receiver was not just his incredible hands, but his tenacity after the catch. He was famous for catching short passes, evading tackles, and taking it to the house. Second Chronicle says, Be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Jerry Rice never gave up on a play and was rewarded with a bust in the Hall of Fame. More than simply uncommon, he was one of
2: a kind. Tony Dungy, best-selling author of Quiet Strength and the Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com.
3: In the darkest parts of Mumbai, India, in the red light districts, children are growing up scared and hopeless.
7: No one looked after me, and I would
3: constantly be locked in a room. And that's why Urban Family Talk and India Partners have been teaming up to rescue children as young as eight from the red light districts. And we want to say thank you. Because of your generosity, hundreds of days of safety have been provided at a safe house operated by India Partners. And every day that you've provided, provides full room and board, a private Christian school, trauma counseling, and all of it done in the name of Jesus.
7: Now, I'm looking forward to growing up, continuing to grow in God, and begin working for Him. Your
3: gifts through India partners are still very important, and operators are still standing by. Call 877-616-2396. or give online at AFR.net
0: Securing America.
7: The opioid carfentanil, often mixed with the street drug heroin, is considered the most dangerous. Darren Timish, special agent with the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, says carfentanil is 10,000 times more powerful than morphine.
4: It's a dangerous drug. You're playing a dangerous game with your body and your life. A
7: recent drug bust in Omaha after a spike in overdoses allowed local police to find the source of this new street drug mixed with carfentanil. Chris Perna, an undercover officer with Omaha Police. Police says stopping Ken and Wendy Heckman, the couple serving 15 years behind bars for creating the drug in Omaha, put a stop to devastating more families throughout the Midwest.
3: They want to expand this unique drug that they've created that really isn't anywhere else.
7: Drug enforcement agency officials here say they are working with their divisions in other cities, including Chicago and St. Louis, to monitor where these drugs are coming from and who they are being distributed to. In Omaha, Mitty Hicks, Fox News.
0: This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
6: We we believe those are some of the angel moms uh, that the president has talked so much about out on uh, the campaign trail at rallies and so on. These are these are parents of of uh, victims who were allegedly killed by undocumented uh, immigrants. Uh, The president likes to to point to these folks uh, who have been just through some terrible experiences uh, as uh, evidence that a a wall is needed down at the border. Now, of course, uh, you know, we've talked about this on numerous occasions. There are lots of different reasons for uh, why there is crime committed. By undocumented immigrants in this country.
2: So, did you hear Jim Acosta just then fix his mouth to say that during the Rose Garden press conference, the president referred to people whose children had allegedly been killed by illegal aliens or undocumented immigrants? Allegedly, these so the people in the Rose Garden are called angel moms and dads. Because someone has been convicted of killing their child and the person who was convicted was an illegal alien. There's no allegedly in it. And this is why Jim Acosta got called to his face yet again, fake news. That's why. If he would just be like a regular person for a couple of minutes, and I know I'm asking for a lot, but that's how I am. I expect great things. I, I like to look in and say, you know what, let's, let's, let's go big on that. Let's, let's have high expectations there. Let's not give in to the tragedy of low expectations. I, I oppose the tragedy of low expectations with every fiber of my being. And even when I'm not hitting the mark myself, the expectation that I have for myself is that I will. At some point, I will. And I feel that way about everybody. Even fake news Jim Acosta, even the fakest, fakiest, fake reporter there is in America who only cares about himself and being famous in a bad way. Something interesting, and I don't know if you can find it or not. I watched the the, uh, White House live stream of the Rose Garden appearance this morning. And when I was watching it, I noticed that... um, the camera angle they had permitted us to see the president full on. And then when a reporter was asking a question, they flipped to a different camera and we were able to see the reporter and the angle they had on Jim Acosta was from his right side. Um, so the camera's on his right and it's giving us that kind of slightly front, but mostly profile view. And when he was talking other reporters who were seated, he stood up and he was holding two microphones, oddly enough. Um, Other reporters who were seated were kind of they were they weren't kind of they were giving him the full on side eye. I don't know if he could feel it. He should have felt lasers boring into his body because people were literally giving him the side eye. And as he continued to kind of filibuster a little and got he needled his way under the president's skin, I could see their faces. They were disgusted by it. Now, there was another guy who insisted on having a second question and the president basically had his mic stripped from him. Um, so he couldn't ask a second question because you're not guaranteed or required to have a follow-on question with the president of the United States. I mean, you know, what really annoys me is that I still have yet to meet the president of the United States. I've not ever gotten to interview him on the radio or talk to him. I, I just feel like I would be a great interview. Like I would, a great interviewer. I would be able to ask him questions, give him a chance to answer and end the interview at the appropriate time. I just, I know I could do it and I will. Until then, watching these nincompoops in the press corps do these interviews with him where they literally have an opportunity to ask him anything. And instead, they decide to just – Jim Acosta is always trying to be so rude. It's so unacceptable. Um, and I didn't like it when it felt like there was a little bit of a rude atmosphere towards President Obama, not because I liked him or thought he was fantastic, but because he's the president of the United States. But they didn't they, – like, when did that happen? Because it didn't happen because they just worshipped him. He was their Lord and Savior, remember? Which is what I've been saying to people on Twitter. I'm not going to lie. Um, I've been saying to people on Twitter, you know, if, you, if you're if you criticizing him on his his national emergency declaration, where where were you when President Obama did it? Oh, you didn't say anything because he's your Lord and Savior. Yeah, I tweeted it out. Whatever. Um, call lines are still open, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Uh, let's go to the phones. Randy in Missouri, in Missouri. Hey, you're, is it snowing where you are?
6: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I believe you can do it. You, you, you can, uh, you can do that interview, and it, it's going to be great.
2: I hope so. I hope I'm going to get to do it. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm, I'm counting on getting to interview him while he's still the president of the United States. Like, I have to have a turn too. I'm on American Family Radio now. This, this is like something that should happen. Um, are you, you're in Missouri. Is it snowing where you are right now? Uh, kind of like a sleeting rain. Mm, it's actual snow here. I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I'm miffed. I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do here. It's terrible. Well, All right, so was, what's your comment about the wall? You said you think it's a distraction? What, what do you uh, You know, of course I'm for the wall, but I think the wall is a
6: distraction and a political trap for President Trump. Um, you know, if you go back to last year, during the negotiations with the Democrats, we were offering them a, an expansion of DACA. Mm-hmm. As you know, DACA is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. It was signed in, signed in by executive order by, by Obama. And with all these poison pills uh, in this new legislation, I mean, it's just like we're, we're, we're legalizing DACA. And, and it's, the, it's the benefits, it's the government perks that are bringing these people over uh, you want to you cut uh, immigration um, and, and the government perks, and we're going to cut it in half. I, I'm, you know, assuming the president is not somehow impeached and, and is reelected to a second term, and assuming we get this wall built, which you know it's going to be delayed for the next 14 months, any, anything on the wall tied up in the courts, Let's not just say that there's 20 percent of the a border wall built by the end of pre- President Trump's term. It's not going to slow down immigration by very much at all. Not that walls aren't effective, but they're still going to be getting in through the ports with all these government benefits and the provisions that we're making through, with, the, with the government.
2: Yeah. So you make some good points there. And I, I want to point out that so we're saying it's going to be tied up anything having to do with a national emergency will be tied up. But the other money that he's already found from other places will not be tied up. And one of the points I want to make when I was chatting with Dan Celia, and I can still make it now, is that, um, so I was talking on the show the other day, Randy, about where the money goes when they when they confiscate stuff from people. Well, it turns out it goes to the U.S. Treasury. So any money that comes from, you know, they confiscate money from a drug lord or something like that. The sale of the drug lord's car, whatever, any cash that he had, whatever. That all goes to the U.S. Treasury. So that money, if it was related to d- dealing drugs, that's where he's getting $600 million from the U.S. Treasury right now. That means that we don't actually need the El Chapo Act. El Chapo's money comes from dealing drugs. He was declared a transnational criminal organization. That means that money will go to the Treasury and President Trump will be able to access that too. He didn't mention that. But maybe he didn't mention it because he doesn't want them to actually realize that that's what's going to happen.
5: Yeah, well,
6: um, I just think cutting off the benefits um, is going to do a lot more to uh, um, stemming illegal immigration than anything else.
2: Yeah, so. I, and I don't, I, I actually agree with you. Um, I, most Americans, they did a survey, most Americans, 68% of Americans want less lawful immigration, they want to see the lawful immigration go down. Um I would hope that our elected officials would pay attention to that but they're not and so in the absence of that we have to continue to pray. When we pray over our food, you know, your breakfast, your lunch, and your dinner and your snacks and whenever else you pray over food, we have to be praying for the president and we have to pray for revival and for there to be justice in our land. We have to pray for that. Um if we're not praying for it, we're not doing what we have a part in all of this too. Besides voting, besides being informed, we have to pray for the things that we want to see happen in our country. That's a part of it. Uh, let's go to Trey in Oklahoma. Thank you for calling the yeah, show.
0: Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I, I just had a question. I remember uh, when the uh, shutdown occurred and that the Republicans, uh, it would say, it had voted to uh, have the uh, workers paid during the shutdown. And it mm-hmm. was the Democrats who voted against it. And I just wonder why that strategy would not use when Pelosi came uh, was saying that how sad she was for the workers and all these people came up and said how they bills were not being paid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was told, it was said several times over the uh, uh, AFR that there was a uh, Democrats who voted not to pay the workers during the shutdown. That's and true. I just wondering why that was not uh, mentioned anywhere the president meant, and that would have been a a strategy to me that let the public know how the uh, Democrats really were. but I didn't recall seeing it mentioned anywhere else except on the radio, and I'll Um, I'll let you answer that.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for calling and and for that comment. I thought that the president mentioned it during the State of the Union, but I could be wrong. I watched it. I never got a chance to go back and watch it through a second time like we were talking about on air, that it was so good I wanted to watch it again. I didn't get a chance to. There's so much. Like, I just found three new podcasts today that I'm trying to listen to for the information that's within them. So it's tough. The news moves really fast. Uh, it is a great point. But when we have the organized media arrayed against the truth, it is very hard to get. A, that is like a perfect selling point for how we know the Democrats don't care. But what I know also is that I think some of the people who vote for the Democrats also don't care. They don't care that the president and the, the Republicans wanted to pay the workers during the shutdown. They don't care because, as Dan Celia said, they got they have a real hatred for the president that supersedes anything. I I honestly believe that if the president said, I'm going to take, I'm going to take an amount equal to like the El Chapo Act and I'm going to divide it up against, and I'm going to give it to everybody who is, you know, every black American, let's say I'm going to do reparations. Even if the president said that people would be against it. Look at how many people voted against the first step act, which was the prison reform. You know, uh, that was something that They've been advocating for since president Obama was in office, but because president Trump was the one who would get, you know, actually be the one to, to sign it into law, they were against it. That just shows you how deeply this hatred goes. It supersedes anything good that he might do, even if it puts money in your pocket or gets your relative out of jail, they don't care. Let's go to Dan in Arkansas. Hey, Dan, thank you for calling the show today.
6: Well, thank you for, uh, for having me. Uh, sure. just, uh, a couple of talking points and I'd be really interested in what your thoughts are, but I'd be a whole lot more interested in what the Democrats' thoughts are. And that is that uh, I-, I have to wonder that if the people were crossing the border illegally were Russians or Chinese, would we be having the same
2: discussion? <laughs> you mean if there were white people or if there were Asians? Oh, yeah. yes.
7: <laughs> because, well, I can answer because, on because, behalf of
2: Democrats if you want me to. I can I can hazard a guess. I'm thinking they would well, probably not be okay with that.
6: Well, and you see, that, that that creates, you know, we're playing by a different set of rules now, I suppose. But, and, but you know, they're known for that. But the other one is that if, if the de- Democrats are so bent on catch and release, then I think the people that are released should be guaranteed a ride to Pelosi and Ocasio-Cortez's district to be released.
2: Yeah, that was one of the things that Hogan Gidley said uh, earlier in the week, and and you might have heard that audio on the show, and then others have asked the same question. Anyone who's caught in release should be immediately sent to a a Democratic district, and it should be the people who are advocating for it. So the districts of, I know Harry Reid's not there anymore, but Harry Reid, um, Ocasio-Cortez, Pelosi, Schumer, Feinstein, all of them should have received the bulk of every single release. And then when their constituents start saying, why have we have seen a sudden uptick in crime? Well, um, we were receiving the people that we said we wanted to release. The, we would see immigration, feelings on immigration and illegal aliens would change overnight. Because that's what happens when your own, the things you vote for come bite you. Then you start to really realize how stupid it is what you've been advocating for. And unbelievable. Um, let me see what we, oh, we have enough time for maybe a couple more calls. Anthony in Alabama, thank you for calling the show today. Hey, how's it
5: going? Hey, how you uh, How you doing? Doing pretty yeah, good. All I got to say is this. All I got to say is this. They fight Trump every step of the way. I've been behind him since the day he come down there. Before You remember when Obama was having a speech and he was ragging on Trump sitting at that table? Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, you can't run this country. And Trump's face well, is red. That made me so mad. That was before even year before. I said, I hope he runs and whoops his.
2: Yeah. And that's what he did. I actually think that President Obama saying that to Donald Trump made him more determined to do what he said he was going to do. And I know it angered his wife because she told him when he asked her this, one of my favorite stories about the two of them is that he said to her, I'm I'm running for the presidency. How do you think I'll do? I've decided I'm going to do it. And she said, you will win. (laughs) That's it. She said she came into the room. He asked her the question. She said, you will win. And then she turned and, and went on about whatever she was doing in their gold-plated uh, penthouse. And then the night he won, he was sitting there in shock. And he said, he won. You no, know, he said, I won. I won. I, I, I won. I'm going to be the president. And she said, and you're going to be a great president. Come on. We have work to do. That's what I'm talking about. And I know that President Obama had the same kind of support from his wife and, you know, I I think I always respect strong marriages. I'm I'm a real proponent of that. It's one of the things that I'm really passionate about because strong marriages produce strong families and kids who come from strong marriage homes are, they're so much better equipped to deal with what the world has out there for them. And the marriage is a type and shadow of the Godhead, three persons joined in one, the husband, the wife, and God, in a covenant relationship that cannot be broken. That is so important to us and the more of us that love it and respect it the better it's going to be for kids in america all right that's you know this hour of the show (laughs) so glad to be with you if you're leaving us now god bless from heartland have a fantastic weekend and thanks for making your home at american family radio and urban family talk if you're sticking around one news now news and information up next and then more me stay there